0: I have to lay a little bit of a foundation to get to what I really want to say tonight. So if you guys can open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, uh, that will get us. We're going to just jump in and just take off here. You know, the Bible says that all things are possible with God. You know, when you, we could call it a night just saying that, couldn't we? I mean, all things are possible with God, and, and that means nothing is impossible for God. And nothing is impossible with God. But but we uh, we sometimes don't see it quite that way. We think we do some of the time, but some of the time we don't. You know, as New Testament believers, we should spend most of our study time in the New Testament. Because the New Testament, the Gospels, and the Epistles were written to the church. And to Christians who were born again. And followers of Jesus. And And... And therefore, we should spend our time there. But also, we do need to spend some time in the Old Testament. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, in the New Testament, it says about the Old Testament, that these things happened. These stories and prophecies were given to us as examples for us amen now an example you understand could either be a good example or a not so good example right you do understand this not all the examples uh, in the old testament were good ones they were it's like okay we're going to tell you what this guy did or this woman did but don't you do that okay but but they're examples and it, and it's important that we spend some time there which is why we've turned to first samuel chapter 17 you there All right, we're going to skip through this a little bit, so you're going to have to bear with me, because like I said, I'm trying to lay a foundation here for talking about some things having to do with authority and victory, but we'll get there, all right? 1 Samuel 17, let's start with verse 17. Uh, Jesse was the father of David, who eventually became king, but David was just a shepherd boy at this point, but he'd been anointed king. Now, he wasn't king yet. But let me say something about this. David spent time out there with the sheep, and he got to know God. And uh, he understood a whole lot of things about God that a whole lot of people didn't. God called David his friend. So so David knew God. and, And that happened before he got chosen as king. Because later in the Bible it says that God said he knew that David would do everything he told him to. Now, does that mean David was perfect? No, but it means David had a perfect heart. All right, you know, you and I aren't perfect either, but we can have a perfect heart toward God. So verse 17 of 1 Samuel 17, And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Well, his brothers were off at battle. They were off at war against the Philistines. And so David loaded up the donkey or whatever he did, and off he went. And he took the food to the battle line. Now, when he got there, uh, things were not going things were not going well at all. Verse, skip up to verse 22, and David left the things that he'd brought, the food, in charge of the keeper of the baggage, and he ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers, and he talked with them. And behold, the champion. The Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. And verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. And now you need to remember that part, okay? The fled from him, they ran from him, and were very much afraid. But David, skip down to verse 28, and David said to the men who stood by him, "What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God?" David knew God. He's like, "Who, who does this guy think he is?" David knew who he was, and he knew who his God was. He's like, "Who is this? Who is this guy? And who does he think he is?" And so, so, but, but. David didn't get the reaction he necessarily thought he was going to. Verse 28, the next verse. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart that you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done? Was it not just a word? And he turned away from him. Now you remember that too. Remember the fled part, and then remember David turned away from him. You got that? Okay. All right. So verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And then Saul tried to talk him out of it. And then David's like, no, you can't talk me out of this. Verse 32. Let's see, 36, I believe. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, David talking about himself, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And so David went. He, uh, he, he, uh, verse 40, he was preparing for battle. Verse 40 says he took his staff in his hand. I don't know why he took his staff. But do you remember Goliath says, what are you coming at me with sticks for? Remember? Yeah. I don't know why he took his staff. I don't think if I was going to, well, anyway. Anyway, he took his staff, I don't know, and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Now the Philistine moved forward, verse 41 says, and, and, and didn't like the look of David at all and said he was going to kill him, and da-da-da-da-da. But anyway, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And the faith starts here, right? Well, actually, it started before this, but listen to this. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. And verse 48. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. Well, We're going to back up a little bit here, and we're going to go over some of that and and what that means. But, you know, when we face conflict, are we supposed to just attack? Conflict, instant attack. What do you think? No, we're not. We're not supposed to instantly attack. We're not supposed to just start slinging stones and slinging words, and, uh, you know, it's kind of that shoot, ready, aim. No, that isn't, that's not right. That isn't how we do that. Uh, You know, if 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 David had been that guy who didn't know the Lord, right? If he had been that guy, he wouldn't have the, the Philistine wouldn't have been his first attack. You know that? Cuz it wasn't the first one who attacked him. His brothers the one who attacked him first. And what did David do? Remember I told you to pay attention. He turned away. David just turned away. Well, okay guys. 99% of the time God's just going to have you turn away. You know what? First thing you got to do is this. Here, the reason he turned away from Eliab is Eliab was in the enemy. You understand that? Well, you guys know that, but I'm just telling you. Eliab was not the enemy. So the first step in dealing with an attack is to know who your enemy is. What did David start doing? He started asking questions when he got there. He was like, wait a minute. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yeah. He started asking questions to find out what's going on here, what's happening, that he should defy the armies of the living God, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, you can turn there if you want, Um, but but Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament talks to us about how we're supposed to identify our enemy, right? Some of you should turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, and... uh, And verse 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against not your next door neighbor who plays music too loud and too late. No. Not your unreasonable boss who thinks he or she owns you and doesn't appreciate you. Not the bill collector who keeps calling and texting and emailing and filling your mailbox. Not that family member who constantly runs you down. Not the person driving in front of you going 15 miles an hour under the speed limit. No. None none of the above are your enemy. So it's time that we stop treating them like the enemy. Amen. No, no, no. Uh, Ephesians 6 says says that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Not just the devil, but the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, very important, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Do you understand what that means? Period. Did you notice he didn't say our struggle is not usually against flesh and blood? Did you notice that? He just flat out said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I don't care who it is that's a human being in your world that you feel like is the enemy. They're not your enemy. Now, the devil may be using them. I'm telling you, he uses people all the time. But they are not your enemy. Now, does that mean you shouldn't defend yourself against that person? No, because if the enemy, Satan, is using them, you need to protect yourself. But Paul just flat out said here, through the Holy Ghost, through Paul said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, talking about spirit realm, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And then he goes on, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You know, they're, you know back, back to uh, 1 Samuel 17. All of those people, all the Israelites were looking at Goliath in the flesh, 100% of it. Not one of them stood up to Goliath. They all ran in fear. Not one of them stood up. And and they were looking at him in the flesh. And yeah, he was big and ugly and dangerous. And, and, And so nobody, nobody, I want you to think about this. Not one of them looked to the covenant that God had made with the Israelites. Not one of them. Until David showed up. Now that that's not that's it's not so unusual, okay? Just track with me here, okay? I'm laying the foundation here, uh, you know that that sounds a whole lot like ten of the twelve spies that Moses sent out. Uh, numbers thirteen. You can write this down. Twenty-seven. The spies told Moses, they said, We went into the land you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey and and this beautiful fruit that we brought back. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and large. And we saw the descendants of the giants there, and, and, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites by the sea. And they said, verse 33, we also saw... Uh, the Nephilim there, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight as we were in their sight. Now, see, they're looking at the enemy in the natural. They're looking at the enemy in the flesh, and they're going, we are just, we're not anything compared to that enemy, and, and we can't win. Now, G- Caleb and Joshua tried to quiet the people and get them to uh, look and say, no, wait, 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 God gave us a covenant. God gave us promises. God said he'd be with us. But no, no, they weren't about to listen to any of that. All they could do is use their, what, they, what their senses told them, what they could see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears, and they were not about to enter that land. You know, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the covenant that God gave to them said this, all right, starting with verse 1. Of Deuteronomy 28, now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do his commandments, the Lord God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Do You see that? How many of the nations? All. all. You understand that the covenant we walk in is better than this one? You against the countries of the world, you win. Do you understand that? All the blessings will come on you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord and will come upon you. No, no, no. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be your offspring and he keeps going in your basket and blessed when you come in and when you go out. Verse seven, the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. Now, who was doing the fleeing in the David and Goliath story? You remember? Yeah, the Israelites are doing the fleeing. It's, the Bible says that they heard Goliath when he came out, and they all were afraid and ran away before him. Do you understand that that is not the covenant? You see that, right? You see the covenant says, He will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. So... So David, David understood that. So he walked in there and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? that's come against the covenant of our God? Who, who does he think he is? You know, it sounds like, I said it sounded like the 10 spies. It also, now I want you to think about this. It also sounds a little like Naaman the Syrian. You guys remember um, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4, verse 27. Um he, he was talking about Naaman. There was a, a guy. He was a commander, a Syrian commander, not an Israelite, not a believer, didn't know anything about God. He was an idol worshiper. But he had a servant, a, a young girl who was a servant in his house who was uh, an Israelite. And he got leprosy. And, and the Bible tells us that the little girl said to him, Hey, you know, there's a prophet in Israel who could heal you. Just go on over there. And he was like, What? He didn't know anything about healing because idols obviously can't heal you. So, so he went over to the prophet, and and he uh, and the prophet said, you know, go dip in the Jordan. I forget how many times, seven, seven times. Dip in the Jordan River, muddy, nasty river seven times, and, and you'll be healed. Naaman didn't like that. He goes, our rivers are better at home. I'm not doing that. And his servants talked him into it. They said, if he'd asked you to climb a mountain or, or give him, you know, a million pounds of gold, you would have figured out a way to do it. Why don't you just go dip yourself in the muddy river and see what happens? So Naaman went and dipped himself in the river seven times, and his, the Bible says he came out and his skin was like that of a child. It was perfect. He was totally healed. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, now I want you to look at this. There were many lepers, verse 27, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. How many? many? That's quite a few. We don't know how many that might be, but many. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Now think about that just for a half a second. Was the prophet there? Yeah. None of them were cleansed. Not one. They all stayed sick and died. Not one of them was healed. All right, the covenant. Let's, we're going to back up. Exodus chapter 15 and uh, verse the end of verse 27. There God made for them a statute and a regulation, part of their covenant. Verse 28. And he said to them, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you. And that means allow, which I have allowed on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. All those Israelites that stayed sick God was their healer. They had a covenant, they had a promise, they had God with them, his presence was with them, his prophets were with them, and, the, and Jesus said not one of them was healed, because not one of them looked at the covenant. Do you get a little better picture of why David was called God's friend? Like David knew God. David knew the covenant. David trusted in the covenant. So he walks in, and there's this big ugly guy, and you know, with a big spear, and and uh, and they're all afraid of him. And David's like, "Who does he think he is? He can't not stand against the living God." Right. David went out and defeated him. I'm um, But back up to to uh, I I did not read the end of it. So we read here in 1 Samuel 17 that David ran quickly toward the battle line, defeated him, and then, let's see here, uh, verse 51, it says, David ran and stood over the Philistine after he was dead, or down, took the sword, drew it out of his sheath, took his sword, he didn't have a sword, he had a staff, again, anyway, he borrowed Goliath's sword, excuse me, I need to use this, and... Killed him and cut off his head with it. Apparently he wasn't 100% dead. He was just out cold. Killed him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion. Look at this, you guys. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. In seven ways, the Bible says they would go. It says they would flee in seven ways. You know what? I don't know how many ways they fled that day, but they ran in 88 directions. You can bet they did, every one of them. They were trying to get out of there, and the Bible says that their dead were scattered from there all the way to the gates of their hometown. So, you know, David, one guy decided to stand on the covenant, and look what God did. They fled the army. One guy and the whole army fled. Is that good? I think that's awesome. Makes me happy. I preached myself happy. I could go home right now. All right. Look at, uh, turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. You know, Jesus Jesus talked a lot about authority, but you have to know who your enemy is first. That's still what we're talking about here, guys. You have to know your covenant. You got to know the, the rules that apply to where you're headed. You got to know who your enemy is. It's not flesh and blood. All right. You know, uh, the, you know, The Philistines as an army. They were idol worshippers. They weren't God's people. They came against God's people to destroy them. And and none of them stood up to it. They all ran in fear until David, who was just a kid. But he knew his God. Are you in Luke 10? Verse 17. Something about 17s tonight. The 70, okay, Jesus, I'll back up a little bit. Jesus had sent out 70 people. First, he sent out his 12 disciples to go out and minister. And then after that, he sent out 70 people, uh, 70 people who were, he was discipling, who were followed him, who stayed with him. Uh, anyway, he sent them out and, uh, to, to preach and to cast out demons and and he gave them certain instructions and they returned. Verse 17 says, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But look at verse 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Do you see your neighbor in there anywhere? Do you see your mother-in-law in that list? No, she is not there. Your boss is not in that list. She, None of them are in this list because they are not our enemy. Okay? Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Do you see that? That is God's plan for you. That is God's plan for you to walk in authority. Now notice, it does not say... That your spouse is not in that list, okay? Your your child that you're frustrated with, your adult child that you're frustrated with, is not on that list of people that you have authority over. Uh, your pastor is not on that list. Uh, no, because he's talking about covenant authority here, okay? And and I, you know I I can remember, um, you know I can, I can remember a day uh, that I, I was when I was living in Oklahoma. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm born again in the spirit fields. You know, I'm walking in the promises. I, I knew how to receive from God. I'm, I'm sick, though. I am sick with a head cold. I am, I'm in, the, I'm in the, the miserable phase of a head cold, you know, married to a Kleenex box. And uh, it's Sunday morning, and I'm too sick to go to church. That's a rarity, let me tell you. I, I never miss church. But, but I'm too sick to go to church, so I'm, you know, I'm like in my sweatpants so I don't get cold. And I think, okay, well, I'm going to go in the family room, and I'm going to get me a good soft blanket and a bunch of pillows and some hot tea and my box of Kleenex. And I'm going to lay in there on the floor, and I'm going to turn the TV on, and I'm going to just, just, you know, just relax and get feeling better. So, so I I went in there and I, I lay down on the floor and uh, I uh, I turn the TV on and 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 I start flipping through the the channels and there's Keith Moore. I thought, well, I can listen to Keith Moore. That'd be good. And and Keith Moore uh, is is in Luke 10. Yeah. And uh, and and he's in Luke ten, and and so I'm I'm listening, and and you know he's he's not saying anything that I hadn't heard before, and, and I'm I'm listening though, and, and all of a sudden, verse nineteen, I tell you, he might have said it, might as well have said it from a loudspeaker about two inches from my ear, because because uh, he read verse nineteen, behold, I have given you authority to tread on s- serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. And I thought to myself, dear God, what are you laying on this stupid floor for? It is time to stand up and take authority over what's happening in my body, because this isn't from God. There's no head colds in heaven. You understand that? God wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought I I stood up on my two feet, and I started speaking to the enemy, just like David did, just like you're supposed to do. Now, but you've got to know who your enemy is, all right? You know, the enemy wasn't the person that I was working with that had a cold and came to work anyway, and then I got it from them. That's not my enemy. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. That's not my enemy. No, no, sickness and disease. There was no sickness and disease till Satan entered the picture in the Garden of Eden and, and Adam and Eve you know, committed high treason against God and turned away from him and gave their authority to the enemy and he took his authority and started making people miserable because he was miserable and he wanted you to be miserable like him, all right? But but you know what? That is, is not, sickness is not where God wants you to live and we have authority over that, you know? and 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 maybe you don't know how to take your authority over that. That's okay. You know what? You hang around here for a while, you'll learn, all right? And, 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 and God wants you to know, okay? But like I said, you know, we, it's too easy for me. I can't speak for you, but it's too easy for me to overreact to people. It's too easy for me to blame other people, to suspect other people, to accuse other people, all right? But we know people are not the issue and And if people ever do anything to you and people will do things to you and they'll cause trouble in your life, you know what we're supposed to do about that? We're supposed to give it to God. What did he say? He said, "Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. you know what if if I was let's just say that that I did something real, I shouldn't have done you know to Pastor Edwin somehow I wronged him and 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 uh And I had to choose between God repaying me or Edwin repaying me. I would pick Edwin every time. All right, if you want it done right, if you want the repaying to be handled right, and you want the person to get whatever God thinks they need to get, you just let God do it. Okay, you just say, "Okay, God, you know, vengeance is yours, not mine. I'm going to let you deal with them. And and you know what? I'm just going to go on with my life. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to go over it in my head 8000 times. I'm going to move on. I, I don't want to say this, but I've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it again. You know, I had a boss years ago that, that wronged me. I was so mad. I was so mad. And I was, honestly, I was walking. I remember I was walking down the hallway at work, talking to myself about how this boss had wronged me. And I was so mad. It was a lady. And, and the Lord spoke to me. And, you know, he said, he goes, she's not thinking about you. And I thought to myself, I know she is not. She is not thinking about me, and why in the world am I thinking about her? I am done with that. All right? It's just stupid, isn't it? Now, think about it. We don't, okay, how many of us intentionally would like to be stupid? Anyone in the room? No. (laughs) Nobody in the room. Nobody raised their hand. No, we don't want to be stupid. You know, let it go, for crying out loud. You know, they they did something right in that Frozen song. They told you to let it go. You know, let it go. You know, let it, hmm. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, I want you to understand that you're, you're really, okay, Luke chapter 9. I don't know where you guys are. Where are you? Where did I have you? Luke 10? Oh, back up just one, just one page. Maybe not even a whole page. All right, good. Luke chapter 9. I love this so much. Don't you love it when, this is really bad. Okay, so, so stay with me here. Don't you love it, you know, sometimes you just feel better when somebody else kind of messes up like you mess up and you're like, yeah, I'm not alone. You don't have to look very stoic right now, and no one will know that you ever... Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse... You know, I can read these numbers are really, really tiny, though. Okay. (laughs) 51. When the days were approaching for his ascension... So meaning, when the days were getting closed for the time that Jesus would go back to heaven... First he was going to die, then he was going to go back to heaven, right... He was Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him but they the Samaritans did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem when his disciples <laughs> you got to love James and John when his disciples James and John saw this they said lord do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them <laughs> You, you you ever feel like doing that? Lord, I would like to call down fire from heaven and consume that person. Yes. No. 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 Jeez. Okay, see, you can feel, if you've never thought about calling fire down from heaven, you can feel a lot better about yourself. You didn't mess up as bad as James and John. Okay, so Jesus turned verse, uh, see, I'm telling you. These numbers are really tiny, 55. But he turned and rebuked them. Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man... Now, look at this. This is awesome. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Eh? Did you notice the friend of God did that to his brother when Eliab tried to stir David up? He just turned away. Jesus... They offended him or they tried to offend him in this little Samaritan town. They wouldn't let him in. Jesus just turned away and said, oh, we'll go on. We'll just keep going. You see, you know, if we would just let things go, we would just, just drop it, just let things go. I'm telling you, we'd be a lot happier some of the time. All right? Turn over. Yeah, the, the disciples had really great problem-solving skills. Did you notice that? <laughs> Let's just call down fire from heaven. Yeah. Wow. And then John, you know, think about it, though. He did get his act together. He did figure it out because, like, he wrote First John, you know, the love, the love book, you know. I mean, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, it apparently took him a while, you know. What did Jesus call James and John? The sons of thunder. They must have been, you know, big, loud, deep voices or I don't know. Maybe they were just talked all the time. I don't know. Something. Turn over to Second. Corinthians chapter 10. I love this. This is helpful. This is helpful to us, okay? When we're trying to deal with the stuff that comes against our lives. And and stuff will come against your life. It isn't, that's not a lack of faith. It's just going to. That's just life, you know? That life has, you know, Jesus said that. Each day has trouble of its own. He wasn't speaking out of faith, although I know people who would sound, if you said that, they'd be like, where's your faith? Well, you just don't understand God. So that's all right. You just let that one go too. Don't, don't say what I just said to him. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, although we, verse 3, although we live in the flesh, anybody live in the flesh in the room? Yes, all of us. Yes, we're all there. We do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, not the demolition of people. We're not calling down fire. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. See, the devil would have liked nothing more than to wipe Israel off the map. Still looking at it that way. If you notice? Still happening. He wants to wipe Israel off the map because that is a thing of God and he doesn't want anything of God left. He wants to destroy it. That's why he bothers you because you're of God. All right, And every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Isn't that good? Skip down to... Skip down to verse 8. For if I boast a little too much about our authority, look what this says, which the Lord gave for building you up and not tearing you down. You know, Paul, Paul had authority as a leader in the body of Christ, as an apostle, as a prophet. He had authority, right? But, but he didn't use that authority to call fire down from heaven on anybody, you know? He, he wasn't doing that. No, no, no. It, it, it says his authority was for building people up, not tearing them down. How are you using your authority? How are you using your mouth? How am I using my mouth? Sometimes I'm not careful enough. My wife's not in here tonight, so she can't nod her head or anything right now, so that's good. But, but you know, there... there let's see. There is... God is a God of order. There's a a scripture in Colossians and the NIV, I love their translation of it. It says, I delight to see how orderly you are. I like that. You know, order is a thing that God instituted. There's authority that God instituted on the earth. Parents, bosses, law enforcement, government, leadership, pastors, apostles, prophets, etc., etc. There's authority. God set up a hierarchy. He did it. It was his idea. It was his plan. You know, uh, we could argue about what Romans 13, 1, and, and following means because, you know, some people would say, well, yeah, but what about, like, Hitler? Well, okay. You know, but, but the idea of government, the structure of government, all of those things were God's idea. I'm telling you the truth. Some of you are looking at me like I fell out of a well. I didn't. I did not. All right, Romans 13. Every person, 13, Romans 13.1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. So there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation, which that's not quite the right word there, but uh, condemnation upon themselves. In other words, they're going to feel condemned on the inside. You're not going to, the condemnation is not an external thing. It's an internal thing, okay? But all of the, everything I've been saying leading up to this. The Lord, when I was, uh, yesterday, it was sort of funny. Uh, let me just tell you what the Lord said to me yesterday, and then I'll back up and tell you the funny part. But the Lord said to me yesterday, and hear me. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. He said, if you won't submit to authority, you can't exercise authority. Now, back up, what's funny is that I, I, was, I was having a very hard time focusing here at the office. Uh, I, my office is back over there behind that wall somewhere. And uh, there was a lot of noise in the building, and there was a lot going on. And so I thought, if I go somewhere noisier, then I won't notice the noise. And so I drove over to Starbucks and got myself a great big coffee and uh, cream, and sugar, and, and I was sitting there studying, and reading, and reading this, so, so the Lord spoke that to me in the middle of Starbucks, so if that helps you remember, you know, if you won't submit to authority, you can't exercise authority, you know what, I know a lot of people, they don't want to submit to any authority, and pop culture is sort of like, oh, no, 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 we're independent, you know, you know nobody's, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do, well... Uh, there is no person on this planet that doesn't have authority. Jesus had authority over him. He said, "I always do the will of my Father." You think about that, all right? So, so this whole notion that we have and this pop culture thing that we're not under authority—just throw that out the window. Just forget about that and and recognize the fact that we are all under authority. I don't, you know, you may be you know w- wealthy and self-employed, but you know what? You still got you know, the government there, and you still have to follow the traffic laws, and if you don't, you're probably going to get pulled over, and you probably should get pulled over, and, and you know what I'm saying? And, and, and there's always going to be somebody who gets to tell you what to do, even if it's just the clerk at Walmart, you know, go to that line. Okay. <laughs> If you won't submit to authority, you can't exercise authority. You know what? How many of you want to be able to exercise the authority that God has given you? Amen. We all want to do that, don't we? Sure, we do. We want to be able to take, you know, uh, uh, Romans tells us that we can reign in life. We want to reign in life, but if we want to reign in life, we also have to submit to the authorities that apply to us. Now, does that mean that I should submit to authorities that don't apply to me? No. No. No, I'm not just gonna do what somebody says for me to do. You know, I, I had a I had a, years ago I had a foster kid and, and the foster ki- my foster kid when he was a very young adult, like 18, maybe 19, wound up in jail because somebody asked him to help them steal something, which he did, and therefore he got caught and went to jail. It's like and I'm like, what what are you doing? Well, will you ask me to help him? Well, I, he wasn't my foster kid by that point, but I'm, I'm just looking at him going, Lee, what, what were you thinking? Well, you asked me to, well, that is not a reason. Do you understand that's not a reason, right? That, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Matthew chapter eight. Can you turn there? You guys doing all right tonight? Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 8. I love the book of Matthew. Verse, we'll start with verse 5. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, that was the town he lived in, a centurion, a Roman soldier, centurion looks, sounds like century, a hundred. It means a centurion was over a hundred soldiers. So Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and he said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but you just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, I have authority over me, And with soldiers under me. And I just say to this one, go and he goes, and to another, come and he comes, and to my slave, do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled, and he said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Sounds like Naaman. (laughs) Here we got a whole country who have the words of God and the covenant of God, and yet they don't have faith. The guy who has the most faith in the whole country is a Roman. Yeah. Think about that. Verse 13, And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, and that shall be done for you, just as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Do you understand that is an understanding of authority? That is an understanding of authority. I love that. I love that so much. You know, turn over to Mark chapter 9. We're going to just skip through a few things that Jesus said here about authority. Jesus said there'd be authority on earth. We're talking about that. We're going to skip that in a minute. But Mark chapter 9, look at verse 33. Again, when they came to Capernaum. And Jesus was in the house, he began to question them. So, (laughs) what were you guys discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. (laughs) They're so human, you got to love that, you know. Verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first... No, yeah, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. See, sometimes authority doesn't look anything like authority, but it is. You understand that? You understand Jesus being the servant of all? He's our servant leader, amen? He, you know, he he walked in more authority than anybody. He had the, the Spirit of God, the gifts of the Spirit without limitation, and yet, he was the servant of all. Did you notice when, when, when he was praying, you know, he'd try to sneak off and pray and, and the Bible says over and over the crowds would follow him. He never one time told him to get lost. He never told him, he never one time yelled at him, said, I've got to pray. I've got stuff to do. Leave me alone. Every time, what did it say? He ministered to him. He healed him. He helped him. Every single time. There's no exceptions. You know, you know, that's leadership. That's authority, but it doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like, you know. And it didn't. It didn't. The the disciples hadn't figured it out yet. <laughs> Should we call down fire from heaven? Yeah. There we go. Do that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read this to you in John 13. You know. Right before Jesus died, you know, the night they had the Passover meal, you know, the Bible says that Jesus washed their feet. And Peter, he wasn't about to have Jesus wash his feet. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not washing my feet. (laughs) And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And he's like, okay, then give me a whole bath. Jesus like, okay, you don't need a whole bath. I'm just washing your feet, okay? Chill. Peter, Mr. Extreme. But you got to love that. But verse... uh, Verse 12 of John 13. So when Jesus had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you. A slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed, hello, you are blessed if you do them. That's so good. You know, authority is something that we're going to live with forever. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but the, there's going to be also, while there was Authority instituted by God on the earth. There's also going to be authority instituted by God in the coming ages. Uh, For example, Revelation 5, 9 says this. Uh, They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, as in Jesus, to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests, to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Amen? Well, okay, when you're reigning, you're reigning over something, aren't you? I mean, you can't just reign. A king sitting on the high mountain alone would not be much of a kingdom. All right, you're reigning over something. Uh, Revelation 20, uh, starting with verse 4, it says, and I saw thrones, John talking, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and they had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands. And listen to this. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Well, they reigned over something or someone. So the authority's not going away just because we're in heaven. You know, people have this idea of clouds and harps and floating and... That's just nonsense, okay? I don't know what's going to happen there, but something's going to happen and there's going to be authority needed and there's going to be structure needed because God's a God of structure and authority. But, but you know what? It's just like David back in 1 Samuel 17. Until you stand up and get up and, and, and walk in and take authority, it's not going to happen. Do you understand that? If David hadn't gotten up, and, and went and collected the rocks and grabbed his staff and grabbed his sling and walked out there and, and headed out there toward the giant. He didn't wait for the giant to come to him. He went out to the giant and said, all right, you, this ends here. Our covenant's better than the covenant they had. You could go back and read that in Deuteronomy 28. and That's pretty amazing. I, it hardly leaves anything out. It's pretty much all in company's scene. It says our covenant's even better, and I'll tell you what it is. It, it's it's better because it's better because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we have the gifts of the Spirit, and we have we have things that they never David never imagined. He never even imagined having having what we have, but but you know what we have it. All right, you know that clock, Pastor, always says that clock moves very quickly. So, um, turn over to uh, turn over to Matthew chapter eighteen. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. I'm going to start reading there. You know, how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with interpersonal conflict? People people wrong us. People say stuff to us they shouldn't say. Most of the time, I just turn away. Most of the time, I ignore it. You know, I've, once in a while, somebody come and tell me how offended somebody they are by somebody, and I kind of laugh. It's like, really? Okay, well, get over it. You know, move on. Who cares? You know what I mean? It's so trivial. It really, it's so trivial most of the time. It's so trivial in the scheme of life. It's not even something, you know, you know that old thing people say, you know, Will it matter in a year? Will it matter in five years? Yeah, you won't even remember it. So just just let it go. But, you know, sometimes there's things that have to be dealt with. I get that. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. That's good, isn't it? Don't take out a billboard. (laughs) Don't stand up in women's Bible study and tell them what she did. Oh, Oh, sit down. No, go to show, show him or her their fault in private. If they listen to you, you will have won your brother or sister. If he does not listen to you, take one or more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Well, what do you do with the Gentiles and tax collectors? Try to get them saved, all right? You share the love of God with them and try to get him back on track, all right? So you, you start over with him, okay? You know, that doesn't mean you call down fire from heaven. It just means you, you know, do that. You know, remember, what did Peter do? Peter came to Jesus and said, you know, he, he thought he was being all, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, Jesus, just how spiritual I have gotten. So hang on, Jesus. And he said to him, you know, Jesus, if 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 someone sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? He thought he was doing real good. Jesus, like, no, seventy times seven. Can you imagine Peter going? Burr. No, no. See, see, that's in one day too, by the way. You know, it, it's like, okay, guys, you know. We just gotta learn that people are not the problem and, and we gotta learn how to, to to take our authority and deal with the real issue. You know, I, I was I was dealing with something many, many years ago, and uh, and 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 I thought, you know, I'm gonna back up to where that, that, that scripture in in Ephesians. I want you to think about this for a minute, you know. It says we we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay. I, I want you to understand something. Usually, we just go, well, yeah, that means people. Okay. D- do you understand that that y- now we keep our bodies under, we keep we exercise self control. Okay. But but sometimes your flesh is not the issue. Sometimes if the enemy is trying to harass you, you know, there's a time that you've got to say no, no, Satan, you get out of here. You take your hands off of me, and you get. Out because he's the one. See, we don't wrestle against flesh or blood. You understand that? It's that's not the issue. We wrestle against him. And 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 he's a defeated foe. So he doesn't, he has to run. The Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. All right? Just like our covenant says. All right? He's gonna flee from you. And and so you gotta just stand up. The Lord reminded me so strong when I was dealing with something. He's like, okay, you stand up. And tell him to get out. That works. He flees. And then you move on. Amen? Did I tell you to go somewhere? No? Okay, good. All right. I, I just wanted to... I, I couldn't remember if I had asked you to, to get to a scripture or not. But but um, um, one more... I'm out of time. Matthew 16, real quick, Okay? You know, Peter, one of the three closest disciples, followed Jesus for three years, right? Heard all of his teaching, public and private. He saw Jesus transfigured. He saw Jesus heal. He, Peter was soon to be the head of the New Testament church. Isn't that right? So, you know, we're talking about right before Jesus died. You know, Peter got into his flesh and listened to the lies of the enemy. Really? Peter, yes, really Peter, and really you and really me. Yes, we do that sometimes, okay? Uh, In Matthew 16, starting with verse 21, uh, Jesus had been telling his disciples over and over he's going to go to Jerusalem, uh, part of that verse, and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And Peter took poor Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, that this should ever happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, why would Peter, why would Jesus talk to Peter that way? Because he wasn't dealing with Peter. Do you understand that? Okay, I'm not going to, if, if I'm having this conflict with Pastor Edwin, I'm not going to call him Satan. Okay? <laughs> Just because he's bothering me. Okay? <laughs> Never going to do that. No, Jesus was dealing with the real problem. Jesus understood that he wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. He was wrestling, you know, the enemy was just throwing in his thing. And get behind me, Satan. I can only imagine how Peter felt. But uh, <clears throat> you're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. You know what? If Peter could do that, you and I can do that. But you know what? I, I would I would also say this. You know, as, as if if Peter could get paying attention to, to lies and to things that weren't of God, the things that the enemy was planting in his mind, you know, we can all do the same thing, every one of us. And so we just have to learn. Amen? We just have to learn. And, and uh, I, I love the fact that the story of David and Goliath in the Bible, because, well, first of all, because it's the same name as me, And, uh, but, but because, because he was just a little guy who stood up in his authority and won the battle, amen? So we have to take steps into victory. That's how we get there. It doesn't just happen. We have to take some steps, amen? Because we have authority. Do you understand that God's not going to do it for you? you understand that? See, that's what some people want. They want God to just do it for them. Well, he's not going to do that. He's already provided. He's given you authority. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you wisdom. He's given you strength. And so he says, go. Go and take care of it. Amen? So let's do that, shall we?